Welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast, where your host, Isabel Ross, interviews experts and athletes in the field of endurance sports. Isabel Ross is a three-time Australian long-distance mountain running representative at the World Championships with a best finishing place of 10th female. Twice Australian trail champion, she has won the six-foot track marathon, run a sub-three-hour marathon, and won a 24-hour track race overall with a distance of 198.7 kilometers, as well as competing in and winning grueling ultramarathons in rugged, mountainous terrain. Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons. Isabel is an Australian and USA-accredited endurance coach working with athletes of all levels and is a certified UESCA ultra running coach. She's also a personal trainer and podcast host. Are injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance? Get on top of these and see the specialists at Health and High Performance. Utilising the latest in technology and with a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can assist you with all your running, injury and performance needs. So get back to enjoying your running and achieving the results you are capable of. Head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram at healthhighperformance. Health and High Performance are located in Montalbert, Melbourne, but are available for telehealth appointments not only Australia-wide, but also around the world. Contact them on their website to find out more. Wild Earth Australia are the online store to help you make the most out of the outdoors with top quality gear at great prices. Peak Endurance podcast listeners can use the discount code PEAKENDURANCE in all capitals to get 10% off at checkout. Head on over to wildearth.com.au to get everything you need for your next adventure. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Episode 108 is another interview with the amazing Maggie Goodall. Just a few weeks ago, Maggie won the inaugural Cocodona 250. Maggie was first female and seventh overall in a time of 85 hours, 32 minutes and 27 seconds. Wow, that's a long time, isn't it, to be out there on your feet. The Cocodona 250 links together some of the most iconic trails and towns in Arizona for one monumental undertaking of 250 consecutive miles. The race starts in Black Canyon City at Rock Springs Cafe and traverses a continuous 250-mile point-to-point route ending in Flagstaff, Arizona. In this episode, Maggie and I discuss how her nutrition and hydration plan went, how much sleep she had and her high and low points. At the start of the conversation, we discussed the height of Flagstaff, which Maggie said was uh, 7,400 feet, which I then said was just over 3,000 metres. I meant to say just over 2,000, but in my defence, it was 4.45am for me and I had only just woken up and had about two sips of coffee. So that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. Um, I hope you do enjoy this episode, and if you do, please go on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe. Nigel Hill, too, gave five stars and said, it was a pleasure chatting to you about the race. Friendly podcast. Thanks so much, Nigel. I really enjoyed chatting with you, too, about Down Under. Rating and reviewing the podcast on whatever platform really helps to grow the audience and thus the show. Thank you so much to everyone for your ongoing support. 
Of course, if you are looking to run further or faster than you ever have before, you need to have structured, individualized training to help you get there. If you want to achieve the best you are capable of, email me, isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au to get a program started. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, Maggie, and welcome back to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Hi, Isabel. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, congratulations on winning, uh, I believe it was the inaugural Coca Donut 250. Um, nice. So, yeah, how, how are you feeling? Um, I'm finally feeling like I have more energy. I was real tired, actually. This yeah. Because how long has it been now? Um, let's see. So, I've had two weekends to recover and a full yeah. work yeah. week. Um, yeah. A whole. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, before we talk about how the race went for you and all that sort of thing, can you just tell us a little bit um, about, you know, the course itself, just to give the listeners an idea of when we talk about it, what you actually had experienced? Yeah. Um, so it's basically 250 miles through the state of Arizona, uh, not the entire state, but just about. Um, yeah, you, you, you start in Black Canyon City, which is... Um, pretty low and desert. Um, and you end in Flagstaff, which is, uh, you know, higher up kind of mountain town, similar to Durango, Colorado, where I live. Um, so you go through a variety of different ecosystems and, um, different, uh, you know, landscapes and stuff like that. So, you know, you're literally running through cactus and sand and there's no, no shade, no trees really taller than your knee or something um to eventually climbing up to you know um the coconino plateau getting close to flagstaff with giant ponderosa pines um so it was just really really cool um it sounds super like a beautiful hot course. mostly the whole time yeah yeah so, yeah it was beautiful and so the course itself was it point to point or was it a big loop yep it's point to point so you're you're basically going from um which is uh, a town that is 45 minutes north of, of Phoenix, Arizona, which is typically for anyone who doesn't know in the States is Phoenix is like, can be 120 consistently <laughs> during the summer. Oh, wow. um, you know, they've already hit hundred degrees like this spring multiple times. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah. And then, then Flagstaff is like a huge training ground for a lot of Olympians, um, runners and things like that. And, that sits at uh and I never know to how to translate it to meters, but it's oh, a higher elevation town. Um, so what is it at? What what at, what elevation is it at? Sorry. It's uh it's like seven four, I think. Yeah, yeah. Thousand four hundred feet. Yeah. So that'd be just over three thousand meters. Yeah. Three thousand. That's us thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, you go. There are a lot of, you go through Sedona, which is an amazing area here. Um, a lot of red rocks and really cool rock formations and um, just beautiful. The whole, the whole state just has like s- such a diverse range of like landscapes. It's, it's really cool. And so when you were running through the sandy sections, was that hard running through sand? Was it like horrible sand? Um, it wasn't too bad, but yeah, there would be sections that were, you know, looser dirt, um, 
Whereas a lot of stuff here in Durango, it's almost like concrete because it's yeah. so clay like and packed down. But yeah, the one climb, you know, you have this section that's 20, it, it, it's in the first 50K and it's about 22 miles long. You have a little bit of down, but mostly you climb 8,000 feet um, up and down. And it's very steep, loose uh, rock with, oh, did I lose you there? Okay, no, so good. my uh, screen went off, I don't know yeah. why. Um, and yeah, just uh, you don't have very great footing because it is just like sandy surface yeah. um, and very dry. So yeah. you're breathing in a lot of dust. Yeah, I, I bet. And and then with the heat and everything else. So so you won it, like I said. So was your strategy going in to win it? What what was your strategy going in for the race? Um, I mean, that's the first time I've done like a point to point like that. I'd run 250 miles once, but in the big backyard format. Uh, yeah, um, right. and you know so this is like kind of felt real new to me my my goal was just to get there as fast as I could and <laughs> um try to just pass as many people as I could maybe and or do whatever you know yeah. um you know there was some really experienced women running um who had pretty good resumes for long distances so you know I was just gonna do my best to to kind of like stay in the front um so, but yeah, it was just more of an adventure experiment yeah. kind of to see, see what it was like. And I, I think sometimes looking at it that way, it takes the pressure off too. So you, you tend to do better anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was more excited just to see the whole course is unique. We're the first people that get to do it. I had never seen any of the course. Um, and just to see, like, I pretty much figured I would not finish under 60 hours so I'd run longer than I ever have which was like a new experiment yeah and, um, so how long was it in total anyway um total mileage or time time a 85 hours over 85, 85. Hours. so it's quite a lot longer than 60 hours wasn't yeah. it mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so I got yeah. to run for the whole third night which I'd never done oh. and into a fourth day so I finished before sunset on the fourth day oh thank god yeah yeah. And so how did you sleep at all? I did. Uh, I think I estimated 90 minutes of sleep total. Oh, wow. Yeah. I took three longer naps of 20 minutes. And then once in a while I would lay down for just a trail nap yeah. um, when I just couldn't keep my eyes open and that yeah. kind of piled up to what I think is maybe another 30 minutes of sleep. I'm not really sure. Yeah. yeah. And um, so how do you cope with that feeling of, oh my God, I'm so tired. Like, because even a trial, a, a dirt nap on the trail, it, it really doesn't, it only probably lasts for an hour or so. So what do you do? Do you use caffeine? But there comes a point where even caffeine doesn't work. You just yeah, push through. Yeah, I was trying to hold off on the caffeine and save that for the end, yeah. you know? Um, so I kind of dealt with the tiredness. And like you said, if a two minute nap worked for an hour to recharge me, I would do that. Yeah. Um, because I think that would help me move faster for the hour. Yes. And then eventually when those stop working, then I would take the longer nap. Um, so one of my 20 minute naps was just on the side of the trail. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, and that worked, that got me through into the day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then, yeah, that last kind of, by the fourth day, even I was tired even during the day, usually the day would wake me up, you know, circadian rhythm, you'd be yeah. awake. But that fourth day, I was so tired. So we just started caffeine, no, no restraining. And oh, so you hadn't had much caffeine at all until then? 
No, just a little wow. in the mornings before day break, just to kind of wake me up and yeah, get yeah. me going. Um, I would try to, cause like, yeah, it does stop working and I didn't want to yeah. like, yeah. kind of like ruin it for myself. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. So something so long, I mean, how do you pace yourself? Because if you go off too hard at the start, you're going to be stuffed at the end. So like, how did you, especially because you haven't done something so long. I mean, I know you've done, you know, close to, well, you know, long, but how do you know how to pace yourself? Or does your body just know? Um, I don't know. I, I, that's a, kind of the question because bigs, your pace is dictated for you and you just fall into the same pace. Yeah. And honestly, if you could do a bigs pace at this race, you would have finished you yeah. know, a little over 60 hours, which would have been phenomenal. But <laughs> bigs doesn't have this elevation and, and it didn't, yeah. definitely didn't have this heat. So um, yeah, I just, honestly, sometimes I feel like I just have a one pace type yeah. forever pace. Yeah. Um, I tried to go a little faster in the morning when we started to get out of the heat. Oh, um, yeah. But I mean, it, it, everyone just suffered. Um, and yeah. so, you know, I just ran when I could um, at a comfortable pace as yeah. long as I could and hiked when I needed to. And I just kept going at that pace. I mean, I, I, I didn't hold back or too much just because I think you eventually slow down from fatigue. So, you know, I figured my legs can handle just trying to run. And how much were you running towards the end? I don't know. I feel like I was running a lot um, wherever I could, if it was flat or downhill or, um, but I don't think that was fast. So (laughs) it's hard to tell. When does it become walking? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> you're doing the running motion but your pacer is walking so i, don't know. <laughs> I know oh that's funny and so did you have a pacer with you the whole time so you're allowed to have pacers at 74 miles and i originally was like well i'll start at 100 yeah um they had six pacers lined up and um and yeah i i it was just taking longer and one of my pacers was helping crew my buddy Kyle that lives here in Durango and I said do you want to pace earlier like 74 and he's like I'll be ready um which is nice because that was like kind of beginning into the first night um ah, yeah. and I was pretty sleepy that night yeah. usually I'm not tired the first night so oh, it was God. nice having someone to time your your trail naps for yeah. you and, and just for safety like when you're feeling sleepy it's, it's good to have someone there and it was nice too we we went through the town of Prescott that first night and so there's a lot of streets and turns and it was nice to have someone help yeah. navigate. Yeah. yeah. So you can just focus on just putting one foot in front of the other rather than working out where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So um, how did your nutrition and hydration go? Yeah. Um, my plan the first day, because I know they, they talked about the heat was just stick with tailwind for liquid, you know, cause I do much better in the heat when I'm not having to digest anything. Yeah. Um, I ran out of tailwind two and a half hours before the aid station on that climb. Oh I took three liters with me and I ran out. So um, I got to the aid station, chugged a ton of water and threw off my electrolytes. So I was pretty nauseous for a while, but eventually I just stabilized, drank tailwind and actually got by and make, I think like 85% of my calories were from tailwind. Wow. It wasn't the plan. I just couldn't do food. Like I would try yeah. to at night and it was working. So I just kept doing it. I lost my taste buds eventually. Um, it's just from all <laughs> sugar and whatever, but it worked. So I just kept doing it. Like so you didn't have, um, like solid food when you met up with your crew and that sort of stuff. 
I tried. We would do mashed potatoes or soup, but everything tasted really bland. So I never really like, uh, I would try to finish like a couple of the mashed potatoes or the soup. And I, I don't know, a couple of times maybe I did, but um, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as much as I had planned. I was trying hoping to get down at least like 400 to 500 calories of solid food to stop, but I really didn't. So um, the tailwind saved me, but that wasn't my plan. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes, you, and I think that's part of it is being able to adapt and, you know, and just go with it, isn't it? Mm-hmm, yeah, and it worked, so. And so did you use poles during the, the race, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. I trained with them all winter and every year for Barkley, so yeah. I was comfortable with them. And, and they do save your legs, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, only a couple sections I didn't have them for, which to give my hands a rest or it was just yeah. more runnable. So, yeah, they, they were a huge save. Like, and, and, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It's really important to, um, to, to train with them. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and so what, how do you train for something that long? Um, so I trained for Barkley all winter yeah. and I figured, you know, I was going to put all my eggs in the Barkley basket, yeah. but you know how it goes. And so that, you know, it was six weeks after Barkley and I felt really good during Barkley and the training went well. And I just, you know, I tried to do more running this year in the winter, yeah. um, and not just focus on vert. So I think that helped prepare a bit, but you know, Barkley, you're training for a 60 hour endeavor with like ridiculous amounts of climbing. So after Barkley, I just kind of rested and then did more running and didn't do much vert at all. Um, yeah. but I suppose you had it, you had it in your legs and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes your legs durable. And I think yeah. that's like really what you need. I wasn't that fast, but you yeah. don't need to be just no. keep, yeah. Yeah, just consistent. And so um, so yeah, just stepping back for a minute. So you did do Barkley. Do you want to just quickly um tell the listeners how that went just quickly? Yeah, I went like Barkley goes. Um <laughs> it was like torrential downpour overnight, yeah. you know. Yeah. I had this feeling because he has never started the race at 3 a.m. Like around that time, it's always been before two mm -hmm. or after like 4.30 or something. Or So sure enough, like the rain died down and I think I finally drifted off to sleep and uh -huh. then we heard the blow. And uh -huh. so we started at like 3.04, it was dark. It wasn't pouring, but you know, the fog was just terrible. Yeah. And the times on the first loop were really slow we were right behind Jared Campbell and we thought we were doing well. And um, this year as the timing device, he gives you a timing device. You can't yeah. bring your own watch. He gave us a metal pocket watch. I so that. <laughs> yeah, you can't refer to it easily. No. You get out of your bag and whatever. So you I finally looked at it. Open. You have to click it open too, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, this is really slow. I'm like, we're already, it was like seven and a half hours to the tower, which is not good because yeah. that means you're doing like a 10 hour lap um, or 10 and a half or something. Um, and, and yeah. And, and so we were one of the few people to make it back out on a second lap and, and finish the second lap. We were 12 minutes over time, uh, um, but the, the conditions didn't improve. We kind of were, thought they would, but yeah. uh, the fog was just incredible and it yeah. was super cold as it got yeah. a little bit warm during the day and then super cold and that's never good um, yeah I've, I've seen a short video on it and it looked it looked like horrendous 
conditioning. Yeah, yeah, it never gave us a break. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's how it is. And, and yeah, well, that's the Barclay, exactly, isn't it? Yeah. Barclay ended short again. Yeah. But then I guess, like you said, so Crocodona was six weeks after. Is that what you were saying? Mm -hmm. So you were, I mean, I guess you it, you would be ready for that then. Like you didn't have a long recovery time to worry about. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So it was like, a, you know, a, oh, what was our time? 26 hour something long run, you know, yeah. and then you have a little yeah. bit of a break. And then eventually at some point I kind of just built back up and, and then rested. So it yeah. was, yeah, it worked out. And so um, with, the, with the Crocodona race, you know, and you were up for so long, do you hallucinate? Usually, yeah. And I, I mean, I did see like little things, like a lot of man-made objects, or I kept seeing, thinking I saw the top of the id station tent multiple uh -huh. times. I didn't, <laughs> nothing super exciting this time. Um, I don't have any good stories. No, oh, bummer. <laughs> yeah. A couple of times just I kept seeing cars. I thought I was at a parking lot. Maybe that was the aid station and it was just rocks or something like that. I saw like I would see people standing behind trees that maybe had like, you know, like the masks on or used to seeing people and then they would disappear, but like nothing super exciting. So you normally do hallucinate a bit, do you, in these long things? Yeah, yeah. Um I wonder if my eyes were closed so much because I was so tired. <laughs> Didn't see anything. Do you do that sometimes? Do you sort of go along with your eyes shut just to rest them a bit? Um, I tried on the dirt road a couple times, um, beginning of the third night, because yeah, it was just the dirt road. Yeah. Um, I don't know how people do that. I don't know who says they can actually fall asleep while running because yeah. I can't. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't imagine falling asleep, but I know I've closed my eyes before, just you know, on a flat road like that where you know you can't trip, but yeah. 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 And so did anything, um, was there anything memorable or unusual that happened in the race at all? Um, well, it was memorable having uh, friends with me to, to kind of show up. Um, I had uh, some people I know from the Tailwind um, Ambassador team, Amy and David were my crew members. And then I had a team of like six all-star pacers, which is really oh, fun. You do. I had a pacer kind of like, a couple of people did two sections or, or like a couple, they rested and then would pace again. But um, it was just fun having a, a different face every time. And even if I wasn't super talkative, they would be somewhat fresh or. Yeah. Uh, and that, that sort of kept you awake a bit was having, you know, new people to be with and that sort of thing and kept you maybe more with it. Yeah, it gave me something to look forward to. Mm. Um, my one friend, Brian, Tinder paced me through the third night. Um, you know, we started like around midnight and he paced me all the way to like, you know, early morning um, yeah. until I picked up Courtney for the last 20 miles. But um, yeah, I was so tired that night, but he was so patient. He was the one that was finally like, uh, I, I was taking like two to four minute naps very frequently, I guess at some point. And he's like, just take a 20 minute nap. And yeah. so I was like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm just going to sit here. And so he sat in the dark listening oh, wow. to coyotes. Good on him. Yeah, it helped. I got there in the morning, daybreak. And yeah. so that was nice. Just like everybody was so patient because I know it wasn't fast and it was much later, yeah. you know, happening later than they thought they were going to see me. So yeah. that was cool. Now that that's good. And and um, how many crew and paces did you have in total? You said you had six paces. So 
Yeah. So I had two crew members, Amy and David, that live in their van part-time. So it was perfect. Oh. They didn't race. So they were strictly crew and um, they actually came to more spots than we originally talked about. Cause they're like, no, oh, we'll see you in 14 miles instead of 28. And so that was cool. Um, and then my pacers were um, Nicole and Zach Bitter who live in Phoenix and yeah. um, are used to running much faster and they had to slow down big time. <laughs> and then Courtney and her husband, Kevin, um, and my friend Brian Tinder, uh, who lives in Flagstaff, is a great runner. And um, Kyle Curtin, who um, he won the Tahoe 200 one year. He actually passed Courtney at mile 180 and, and was able to beat her, which few people can say they ever have done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that sounds like a, a good a good size crew. And and so you're saying you saw them more often. Was it was there set? places for the crew or could they just meet you anywhere no set places um so you could only go to crew spots not every spot was a crew spot so some were either on a road that we the runners ran on and they didn't want a lot of traffic or um they were just hard to get to um but yeah there was originally we talked about nine places to go and i th i think they ended up going to 11 or 12 um so, so why there, why did that change? Did you just feel you needed more support during the time? Um, yeah, just because it was getting those time was so much longer in between. And 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 they kind of made the call. They were like, no, we're going to the next one just to make sure, you know, in case they needed anything or it was hotter and whatever. So it was really nice. That was great. So did you run out of uh, fluids again or anything like that after that first, first time? Did yeah. that happen? I think every day I ran out of flu. Oh, really? Oops, you've just dropped out for a second. Hang on. I lost you. Oh, sorry. What was that? You, you, yeah, you, sorry. You, think... you ran out of fluids each day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, sorry. My internet's like really bad right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I ran out of liquids every section during the day. Uh, so I think if anyone does this, take more than you think you need every time. <laughs> but it's, um, it's so heavy too, isn't it? That's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so you got to trade off. Yeah. Do you want to be thirsty and depleted or yeah. carry weight? Were your paces allowed to carry anything for you? No, technically they're no muling. So, yeah. um, I think maybe a couple of times they would try to squirt water on me or something, but that's the most I'd allow them to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's fair enough. And, and you know, that evens the playing field for, for everyone. Did anyone um, in the race have no paces? Yeah. Um, wow. I don't know how many, but we ran with one runner um, for 19 miles. His name was Trevor. Uh, and he actually finished eighth, I think, just behind wow. me. Um, he never runs with pacers, but uh, we ran with him for 19 miles on the second night uh, when I was with Zach Bitter. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun company. It was the yeah, most I yeah. ran with one runner. Yeah, so I was going to say that. Did you see many other runners out there? <laughs> yeah, I got pretty spaced out. So, I mean, after the first night, uh, periodically you would pass someone once in a while or vice versa, but that was it. Third yeah. day. I don't think I saw, I think I passed one runner and that was it. Yeah. 
So we spoke about sort of um, memorable moments. Did What about like a high point and a low point? Was there any of those? Yeah, uh, a lot. I mean, every time seeing a crew, my crew was a, a high point, picking up yeah. a new pacer. Um, I mean, finishing was a high point, not because yeah, I was yeah. done. It just was such a cool finish with the, with the live stream and, yeah. you know, I mean, that was kind of like, oh, do they really want to follow me this long? But um, I ran through Buffalo Park and Flagstaff, and it was this mix of people who didn't know what was going on and drones overhead and two guys running with cameras and I'm running with Courtney and, you know, then other people who are there to spectate and cheer you on. Um, so pretty fun and really memorable. Um, and then, you know, just climbing up each climb, big climb that you got to the top of was like one more climb down, which was really nice. And I mean, the little parts was like, I never had any like super crazy mental lows where I was like, Oh, um, but maybe after, I think the first night, um, I was really hypothermic at the one aid station. I didn't expect to be out that long. And I'm wearing this like damp cotton shirt, mm. nothing. Um, so I was like shivering and trying to get to my crew, like run out of food and everything. Cause that this is when I was starting to learn that like, you need to take more than you think each time. Cause I didn't expect that section to be so tedious and technical. Yeah. Um, so that was probably the lowest point. Um, but then it just turned around and got pretty, pretty stable from there. <laughs> yeah. So did it get, because it was so hot during the day and it's like desert, like, did it get really cold during the night? Um, that particular night. Yeah. Because we, we went up to seven, uh, again, we were up at pretty high above 7,000 feet. Yeah. So yeah, it was, a, it was a bit colder. Um, the second night I was lower the whole time. And so mostly I ran in a t-shirt until, you know, okay. right before morning always gets yeah. a little chilly, but that was it. The only, the third night was cold. I left because we were up on the Coconino Plateau heading to Flagstaff at that point. So I left the aid station and at midnight wearing like a puffy coat, which I've never run in before. So I'd take it off or put it on. It was great for the nap because I took a, the 20 minute oh, nap. Cool. Yes. I could just put my coat on and I wasn't cold. Yeah. Um, that's the most clothes I've ever run in and it, it wasn't that cold, but you know, your body's been through so many temperature that's changes. It. I was going to say, the more fatigued you get, the more you feel all of those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I think a lot of runners were wearing puffy coats that night. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for the puffies. And, mm -hmm. um, did you train at all on the course in, as part of your training? Nope. I never got out there. So I, I had done the Eldon climb visiting flags flagstaff that was the last climb yeah um, I, I was familiar with it but um everything else was new it was cool yeah yeah oh, that's, that's good. and sometimes it's um it's good to know a course but yeah it, you can see it more as an adventure or a challenge if you don't actually know you know know the course physically either yeah it was fun it was all like what's what's next yeah yeah do you normally prefer to train on a course um, if I can, it's always a huge advantage, but for this, just cause I don't know, it's just going to be what it was, you know? And, and I mean, I had the elevation profile and my crew kind of tell me what was coming next. So you could be ready with gear or whatever, but, um, yeah, for that, I don't, it was, that was just fun to have it be a surprise. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Now, how do you recover from something that long? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I rusted last week. I didn't do anything. I didn't even try to cross train it. 
Finally, on last weekend, this past weekend, I went on a couple hikes. Um, and today I ran two miles for the first time. And I'll just, I'm just, and for all of May, I think I'm just going to take it easy and reset. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a good plan. And, and yeah. were you like um, really hungry after? Um, yeah, eventually, not the first day, but then by, by like Sunday, Monday, I was, yeah, I think my finally kept up and was eating a lot of junk too, but then I would wake up. It's great. You wake up and you feel like you're just, you did this crazy workout the day before, even though you didn't do anything. Um, <laughs> and eventually it levels out. <laughs> yeah. and, and when did your taste buds come back? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. It took a few days, maybe like three days. I lost my voice completely yeah. after getting out of the shower, after finishing the race on Thursday night. Yeah. And I didn't get my voice back until maybe Wednesday when I was audible. Oh, wow. Yeah, it didn't sound great, but I could speak. And so, so what do you think made you lose your voice? I think it was all the dust. I started coughing and getting this like funny, gross stuff coming up pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I developed this cough and I think just also running out of fluids so many times, I don't think that helped. Yeah. Um, and by the end of the race, I had just pretty bad cough and my voice hurt and, and it just went away and I had a cough. Felt like I had COVID, no taste buds. I was, a, I had a cough. Our body well, you, had all, you had all the symptoms, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Run I get COVID. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Oh, we've got to laugh, don't we? It's yeah. Otherwise, um, uh -huh. and so um, now that you're focused on recovery, what's what are you planning on for to be next for you? Yeah, um, I have just a hundred miler coming up, which oh, is scary. all night a sprint. <laughs> It's uh, at the end of July, High Lonesome 100. Um, it's in the mountains over here in Colorado, like a, in the Sawatch range a little bit, kind of closer to where Leadville is. Um, yeah. And I don't know, it, I'm going to have to work on speed, I guess, because that's a much faster race than I've been wow. training for. <laughs> so, wow, July, that's, that's not long. Yeah, end of July. So I got all of May to just chill and then get kind of ramp up in June and see how I feel um so i'll get a good solid six weeks of training and i think before yeah it'll be great and and your body copes with that many um sort of events like big big events i usually try to pick like three a year and it seems good this will be four but like you yeah. know barclay isn't always yeah. whatever and i i think after a hundred miler um i won't I well the recovery won't be crazy so we'll see yeah yeah so that's July. So what does that leave you then for the rest of the year if you've already had four? Um, yeah, that would be three events. And then I'll just do bigs in October. Oh, of course. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then that's a July to October. That's a decent break then too, isn't it? Yeah, I'll get to, I'll, I'll, I'll get midway through August. I think it'll only take a couple of weeks of some easy running after yeah. the 100 mile. We'll see. Yeah. It'll be a good like segue into the bigs training or something. Yeah, yeah. And so um, as part of your recovery, you're saying about doing hikes and, and cross training. What sort of cross training do you normally do to recover from a race? Um, I have many bikes. Uh, it's like my boyfriend got really into bikes. So 
I have a mountain bike, a gravel bike. And so we'll do some bike stuff, but, um, I'm I'm just hiking and, and, you know, the mountains are melting out. So that's a lot of slow, just steep hiking that I'll get into this summer. Um, and yeah, just like, those are my main, main cross training things that I'll do. Yeah, I, I certainly know the bikes can be quite addictive and getting nice bikes and, and that sort of stuff. And um, I, I do find cycling helps to strengthen the legs a lot as well. Do you find that? Yeah, yeah. I've never done it like super consistent, but a lot of people have said that. And yeah, uh, it, it, I mean, you go for a bike ride here and you're like, oh, it's going to be easy. Just yeah. like I bought a gravel bike because I was like, oh, this will be easy recovery thing. But it's a lot of work. Yes. Because, yeah. you know, your, your legs are your suspension and everything's like up or down here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's a good compliment to running. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so um, what what did you learn any lessons from from that run that you can take forward into bigs? yeah um just uh, a better understanding of how i the sleep deprivation um and and just just being used to being having that feeling of not being able to stay awake and um that's the main takeaway i don't know if it's figured out or not but um you know just having the confidence that i went 85 hours maybe i can make it 100 hours or or whatever like so it's just all kind of experience to help pull from and and what do you reckon do you you, what what i mean i know you can't really say but do you reckon bigs will go even longer this time than it has um i think it'll go beyond 72 hours this year yeah whether we get over 100 or not i don't know but it'll go over three days i'm pretty sure Yeah. yeah And that's a bit harder to navigate with the sleep time because you certainly can't get a 20 minute nap there, can you? Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna have to survive on the seven minute naps or yeah. whatever it is. Um, and again, like, you know, with Cocodona, I knew that I was 20 miles, 30 miles, whatever from the finish, that this was the last yeah. day I would be running so I could go all the caffeine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas like, you don't know when to turn it on at bigs, you know, you yeah. just, just don't know yeah um, that, that is hard to be strategic still yeah until the very end and so do you think you would do this race again yeah next i think run? so i don't know about next year hopefully i'll be too tired from barkley one yeah. of these years i won't be able to but yeah i would love to do it again i think it's it was beautiful and you know if i do it a little faster i'll be at different parts of it during the light and uh, maybe yeah. like some things that I missed or something yeah yeah no that's fair enough and um once the world opens up again um do you have any plans to race overseas yeah um well uh I wanted to do Tarawera um uh, yeah. but you know it wasn't happening and I think I think they got bought by another company now so I don't oh. know if Tailwind is still associated or maybe they are um I'm not sure I would have to revisit that with yeah. uh, Mark from Tailwind New Zealand but um yeah I, I also was talking to a filmmaker who comes to Biggs named Bjorn who was talking about the spine race and, and maybe coming oh. over there that would be cool that would um, be cool yeah 
all these things are in like the spring or winter, which yeah. kind of affects sparkly. So it's like yeah. so hard to like really plan. Um, that's the thing. It's like, do I want to keep trying for Barkley? I mean, I do, but there's so many other races. So yeah. um, I, it's a good problem to have, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it is a good problem to have. And and I mean, I guess like with Barkley, it's one of those races they say that you've got to do it quite a few times to kind of nail it. Yeah, yeah. And even if you think you got it, all the pieces figured out, like the weather might have a different plan. And that's it. So this, yeah, just got to keep doing it. So what would what number would next year be? How many times would that be then? Four for Barkley oh. if I get in, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you'll get in. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. I mean, a lot all the international people will be coming back. You'll, yes. Well hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I think it'll be fine. Yeah. 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 Oh well that's um that's exciting then. And 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 hopefully, yeah, hopefully you do get in because I think they say three to four times and if the weather was good then um that would be awesome yeah that would be great yeah all righty well thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us um we really appreciate it yeah it's always good chatting with you and uh, enjoy the rest of your um recovery of may not much time left but you know and good luck to the miler are you going for the win at the miler do you think or you don't want to say well, there's a lot of really competitive, fast, strong women. Um, yeah. And I feel like this is a little out of my wheelhouse now, like the yeah. 100 miler. At first I thought, yeah, the longer distances were my wheelhouse, like 100 milers. And now I'm like, yeah, multi-days. <laughs> so yeah. I really don't know. I'll do my best. Um, the, the goal is finished because it's a hard rock qualifier and I'll need uh, one of those. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, good luck with that. And, and yeah, good luck with your recovery and good luck with the Myla. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Maggie. I do love doing an interview with her as she's always so humble and friendly and easy to talk to. Also, as always, if you have any ideas for future interviews or topics, please do let me know. Um, message me on any of my socials or email me. <clears throat> Have a great week of running and racing if you're lucky enough.